So, um, <clears throat> good morning. And let me, all right, we have this on. Let me get this going here. So we've been, um, this is our last Sunday, actually, of our Global Outreach uh, Emphasis Month. And our theme has been created for more. We've been focusing on God's heart for the world, that everything that he is doing right now is so that not one person will perish. And this is reinforced, actually, this, this idea was reinforced to me even just this last Saturday when we went out with Connie Louise and actually Andrew joined us. And uh, we were able to engage people with the gospel again at, uh, at the lake in Almaden. And, and uh, God was just wonderful. We had a chance to share the gospel with an atheist, with a Hindu, with a Muslim, with a Buddhist, and with a high school student as well. High school student, is that another religion? No, not really, but you know, <laughs> it's another worldview, right? <laughs> But at any rate, it's just really exciting because like when Wayne, uh, when the speaker was saying that, uh, you know, we have this opportunity to be missionaries uh, in our place, you know, just a few miles away, um, it really is true to be able to sit down and, and, and talk with someone with a Buddhist background and really talk about Jesus. And really actually what was neat as well was to be able to share uh, the gospel. I mean, not just talk about Jesus, but really for each person to be able to say, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says Jesus died on the cross for our sin. The Bible says Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ and in his death and resurrection, that we can become children of God, that we can have eternal life, to be able to actually verbally say these things uh, to a Muslim, to someone of a Hindu background, it's really, um, it's exciting. I mean, I really feel like this is like, like missions right here to be able to actually do that on a weekend. Um, and uh, especially prepping for the sermon, just reading about the coming of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is indeed coming, to be able to say that, that we right now, there's nothing stopping us from being able to share the gospel uh, with someone from uh, someone who really needs to hear uh, about uh, the, the salvation through Jesus Christ. And so we really, uh, at this time, we're coming to our final verses of chapter three, and really the entire, it's the final verses of the entire book of Second Peter. And we've seen that the theme of this chapter is all about the return of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is returning to earth, and it is inevitable. It will come at any time that today could actually be virtually could really be the last day of our lives. And we've been focusing on missions and, and God's heart for the lost, and Peter says that this is God's heart and God's passion, that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient with you, not, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And this is really, again, a picture of God's heart. This has been his heart from the first day of creation. This is why kingdoms and nations rise and fall throughout history. This is why the sun rises, the sun sets each day. It is because God's plan is leading towards this great and glorious return of Jesus and his desire that not one person, not one person uh, be lost. And so this, uh, this now Paul, uh, Peter brings this home with his final words in the book of, of, um, of Second Peter, and he answers the question, you know, what type of people should we be in these last days? And that's what we've been actually looking at in these last few weeks. So I'd like you to turn with me to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 14. And shall we rise in reverence for the word of God? 
And here's the word of the Lord from 2 Peter chapter 3. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Skipping down to verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So in this passage, Peter gives us the final words to encourage and really challenge us towards holy living in light of the return of Jesus Christ. And and actually, if you look at these verses, there's several different commands. And this morning, I just want to focus on kind of three areas or three specific commands that Peter is giving to us as we think about the return of Jesus Christ. And the first is to be diligent. If you look at verse... Oops. Verse 14, it says, then, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, meaning the coming of Christ, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and to be at peace with him. So when you look at this, it says make every effort, meaning be very serious. It's, it's the opposite, the idea, the opposite is like joking around or being relaxed, but it's saying make every effort, be serious to be found spotless and blameless. Now, I find it really interesting that if you look at this, it says make every effort to be found. Now, that's kind of like a, a passive, you know, active and passive voice, that's your, the English class, but basically active would be make every effort to, make every effort to be holy, that's active. You know, be, do something. Make every effort to be found holy means passive. That something is acting upon you. So Peter is saying, not saying, make every effort to be holy. He's actually saying, make every effort to be found holy. So what is Peter speaking of? Well, see, the word here, to be found, is actually a legal term used in uh, the court, the, the context of a court. When Jesus was on trial before Pilate, it was announced, he says, I find no fault in this man. It's also used in the trials of Jesus' disciples with Peter, John, and later Paul, that there's a sense of being found, it's, it's, it's a court, in terms of a court uh, making a judgment. And so Peter is speaking about the judgment seat of Christ. He's speaking about the fact that when Jesus returns, all believers will uh, stand before Jesus and the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That means when Jesus returns, all of us as Christians, we will stand before Jesus and we will give an account for our lives. Of, of, of the things that we've said and done on earth. Now, just so that we know, for Christians, for everyone who's put their faith in Jesus as Savior, this is not to determine our salvation. Okay, our salvation is secure. It's not God's going to look at us and say, well, you received Jesus, but you did all these things, so you're not going to go to heaven. We're going to heaven because, not because of our righteousness, but because Jesus died on the cross for us. So then what does this judgment actually mean? Because sometimes we say, oh, well, this judgment is for rewards. And some people might say, well, I don't really care about rewards, so I don't really care about 
standing before the judgment seat of Christ, it doesn't mean anything to me because I, you know, I don't really care about rewards anyways. I just want to do whatever. Um, it's true that most that, that part of the judgment seat of Christ is going to be determining rewards, you know, what, what things we have done for Jesus, the things that he will reward us for. But I do believe not that there's going to be punishment, but there's going to be some sense of, of, of the seriousness of giving an account of our lives to the holy God of the universe, the one who saved us, the one who gave his son for us. That this is something that we don't take um, like lightly and say, oh, I don't really care. I'm going to go to heaven anyway, so who cares about Jesus and his judgment seat? Who cares? I don't care about rewards, so I'm not going to think about this. But, but Peter really is saying that this is something that every Christian must take seriously. Again, not that we're going to be thrown in hell, but just the fact or the truth that it's very clear in Scripture. It's not just this verse, it's many verses that says that we are going to give a final accounting of our lives before Jesus when we go to heaven. See, a lot of people think, oh, we just go to heaven, just enjoy, and it's going to be great. And I'm not, we're, No, we're going to, before we go to heaven, we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account. Matthew chapter 25, and we know this parable, the master and his servants, and he gives the servants all the talents, and the servants come back, and they give an account of what they did with those talents. The Bible mentions actually many, many areas where we will come before Jesus and give an account, and actually the Bible not only tells us that we're going to give an account, but the Bible actually tells us what things we're going to give an account for when we when we stand before Jesus. So this again is like, it's like, you know, you go to school and you say, I didn't know that was going to be on the test. No, we know exactly what's going to be on the test because God gave us the study sheet. He says, when you take your, when you stand before Jesus, these are the things that Jesus is going to be looking for. One thing, the first thing is our time. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, 14 says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. And this is again calling us, saying, not just arise like laziness, sleeping in terms of I'm just, you know, physically sleeping, but sleeping in terms of spiritually, you know, am I spending my time just in a spiritual fog asleep, or is God waking me up, calling me to, to wake up and say, how are you using your time? That's one thing that when we stand before God, God's going to ask, Jesus is going to ask, and go through our lives and say, how did we use the time that was given to us in our lifetime here on earth? That's the first thing, one thing that he's going to be looking at. Another thing that he's going to be looking at is our words. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Careless word means just words that just come out of our mouths that we didn't even think about. And, and, and Jesus himself says, on the day of judgment, we will, we will we'll give an account. We will answer for those words before God, the things that we said. Another thing that we don't often think of, but this is, this is uh, in scripture, clearly, self 
righteousness, ways in which we judge others. Romans chapter 14 says very specifically, why do you pass judgment on your brother, meaning other Christians? Why do you despise your brother, meaning you, know, you, you don't like them because of something that they've done or whatever? For we will all stand before the judgment seat, meaning the judgment seat of Christ. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now again, this is a really frightening statement, a very sobering statement to say we are gonna stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he is going to, we're gonna give an account for even how we treated our brothers and sisters in Christ, our attitude and our heart towards them. Did we treat them with a sense of judgment? Did we uh, look down on them or, 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 or treat them badly because we think they're this way or that way or, or we didn't like what they did and we say, you know, whatever. Uh, this is something that we are going to have to stand before Jesus and actually literally give an account for this type of behavior. Uh, Paul's very specific. Uh, for our accomplishments, uh, Corinthians says, each one of us, uh, our work will become manifest. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. This is the whole thing of, you know, we present our works to God and, and Jesus and it burns in the fire and then if it's, you know, wood and stubble, then everything's gone, but you escape through the fire. And then if it's, uh, you know, precious stones, then it'll remain. This does not sound like something that's so casual, like, oh, well, whatever, you know, I don't care. You know, go ahead, Jesus, I don't care. This is really you know, tried by fire, okay? This is a sense of very seriously coming before God and saying, this is the direction that I took for, with my life. These are the things that I chose to do with my life. And now, at, at the end of time, when Jesus returns, I'm gonna present all these decisions and place them at the feet of Jesus Christ, my Lord, who gave me this new life. And I will have to answer to him, give an account for all the choices that I have made and decided on what I do with my life. And it's going to be tested with fire. So again, this is a very, very uh, sobering uh, picture of how to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. Another thing that uh, Jesus talks about, our money. Um, Jesus says in Luke, one who is faithful with very little is also faithful with very much. I tell you, if you've been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who will, if you have been unfaithful, uh, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? This is the end of that parable where they were saying that, that uh, shrewd manager who found out that you know, he was gonna be taken into account, so he starts forgiving everybody's uh, debt and then the master, you think like, you know, he just forgave everybody's debt. The master's going to be really mad at him for not collecting all the debt for the master. But then said the master says, oh, you're a shrewd servant. You're really good. I praise you for doing this, you know. And we're like, what the heck? You know, that doesn't make sense. You know, he made the master lose money. But the master was saying, look, I praise you because you're able to take this money and you're able to use it in a way that's going to gain favor. Uh, and so what, what Jesus is saying through this parable is not, oh, well, just forgive everybody's debt, but he's saying, hey, you know, here's a person who's sinful and shrewd. He knows how to use his money to gain favor and to take care of things. So for us who are believers, how much more can we use the physical money that God has given to us to prepare for something that we know is gonna happen in the future. And so he's saying, um, if we, we can't even take care of the wealth that we have, this physical wealth that's gonna be burned up and disappeared, 
how is God going to give us, you know, true riches, true things of value to take care of uh, in faithfulness? And so again, how we use our money, uh, this is something that, um, that Paul is, that, that, that Jesus, God says Jesus is going to, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ and we're going to answer to him for what we did with all these things. And so we look at this and we say, you know, the judgment seat of Christ, these are the things that we're going to answer to God for. And it's very important even now to say, you know, what if, you know, Jesus could return next week? I mean, it's true, right? It's not just saying, oh, he could, whatever. Jesus could return next week. And let's say we don't have another Sunday where we're going to worship together. This is the last Sunday we're going to worship together. Was Jesus coming next week? Let's say we stand before Jesus for our behavior in this coming week. And he asks us, how did you spend your time this week? What did you do when, when we gave, when you had that extra time that we didn't realize we were going to have, or that free time, or that opportunity to, 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 to do certain things for the kingdom of God? Uh, uh, how did we use our words? Uh, Jesus, we say, how did you use your words this week? Um, <clears throat> um, were, did we use every opportunity that we had to speak uh, to be enriching, encouraging, and edifying? Or, or did I use my words uh, when I called up people or texted people, uh, people check my data plan? Was it a lot of gossip, complaining, you know, criticizing? Did I use my words for that? Uh, am I going to use my words to, to talk about Jesus to my friends? Or to talk, use words to just talk about me? You know, and God says, well, you know, Jesus says, oh, well, we're, we're giving account for every single word. Um, Self-righteousness. Have, did I use, did I go out and was I judging a lot of people? When I go to work, oh man, I can't believe, oh, there she comes again, that person. We go to school, oh, that guy, I hate that guy. He's so, he thinks he's so special and he's nothing, man. And we judge them. And we judge people in church. Oh, I can't believe they're a Christian. Why are they doing things like that for? I can't believe that. We're gonna be, we're gonna have to give an answer to Jesus Christ when he returns for these type of thoughts that we may have in our minds. That's a, God says very specifically in many situations in scripture that, that, that we're gonna give an answer for these things, uh, for our accomplishments, for our money. I mean, really think and pray and say, you know, what does it mean to be diligent, to be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ when we know exactly what he is going to, what we're going to give an account for when he returns. And this is something that, again, I don't want to, you know, put a, you know, make Jesus coming sound like a terrible thing. It's a beautiful and glorious thing. It's a wonderful thing. We're praying that Jesus will come. I'm excited that Jesus will come. We're sharing the gospel so that Jesus will come. But we have to, we cannot neglect this fact that, that indeed, ourselves as well, as we think about our lives, that we are going to actually give an account. And this is a part of preparing for Jesus' return, being diligent. Uh, the next thing that we need to also be is we need to be faithful. First uh, Peter, uh, verse 9, says, Says, the Lord is not, uh, says, be in our minds, the Lord's patience means salvation. And basically what he's saying, this is what he basically said in the beginning, that every day and every morning that you wake up is an expression of God's patience. 
Every day that you wake up and Jesus hasn't come yet, that means that the judgment has been held off for one more day, 24 hours. What does that mean? That means another 1,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 people are coming into the kingdom of God because God waited one more day. One more day. For his delayed his judgment one more day so another 20, 30,000 people can come to know Jesus as Savior. That's, that's what that means. And, 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 and what does that mean for us as a part of it? I, I was looking up stats on this, and this is like really exciting for me. Actually, this is the most exciting part, preparing for the sermon. Because looking at like the stats of, of what God is doing around the world. And one thing that's right, uh, how many people do you think are, oh, I shouldn't have put that up there. How many people do you think are accepting Jesus every day? And I looked it up, and they said approximately 75,000 people are coming to Jesus daily around the world. I mean, even if that's a little bit overblown, and let's say it's 10% of that, say 7,000 people coming to Jesus every day, uh, or, or 50,000 people coming to Jesus every day. That's incredible. I mean, I think about that, and it just, I'm just so excited, you know, like, wow, today, by the end of the day, there's going to be 75,000 more people who have been saved from uh, destiny in hell, and are gonna, I'm going to see them in heaven, and we're going to rejoice together and worship Jesus. And then the next day, if I happen to wake up the next morning, and there's another day, that means another 75,000 people are going to receive Jesus as Savior around the world somewhere. I, I'm like really thrilled about that. Another thing, we look at um, in, in, uh, in Indonesia, in the past 40 years, the number of Christians in Indonesia in the past 40 years has grown from 1 million to over 11 million today, okay? So 40 years, uh, that's, you know, from one to 11 million people coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, in 1960, no Christians were allowed to live in Nepal, okay? Nepal said no Christians at all. And now in Nepal, there is one church in every one of the 75 districts of Nepal. There are over 500,000 believers in Nepal within the past just, uh, you know, uh, again, uh, just, just, you know, let's see, how many years is that? <laughs> 80 years, the past 80 years, okay? 500,000 believers where there was none, okay, where there was none. No Christian is allowed to live in Indonesia. Now there's half a million people in Indonesia. There's churches in every district. In Iraq, in, sorry, in Iran, 500 Muslims are coming to Jesus every month in Iran. 500 people coming to Jesus every month in Iran. That means the end of this month in October, as we finished this, uh, this conference, or this emphasis, 500 Muslims have come to know Jesus as Savior. Can you imagine that? I mean, we talk to Muslims in, in the park right now, and it's like, wow, it's hard to believe any of them will come to Christ. They're so strong in their faith. But in Iran, 500 people. And, and most of them under the age of 30, meaning this, the young people. 500 young people in Iran now every month becoming Christians. I'm, I'm just like really excited. And <laughs> Africa, over uh, 20,000 Africans are coming to Christ uh, each day. And basically they're saying that uh, in 1900, uh, the mission, uh, Africa was known as the missionary graveyard. If you wanted to die as a missionary, you go to Africa because they'll kill you. You will not last, the, the average lifespan was just very, very short. 
basically you kind of knew that was a field where you just went and you planted seeds because there's nothing going to happen there. They most likely kill you. Now it's estimated that 50% of the population in Africa are Christian. I mean, again, that may be a little bit high, but that's a lot of Christians. And I remember talking to friends and, and talking to people on the street that come from Africa, certain countries, and they say, you start singing a, a hymn on a bus and the whole bus will start singing. It's not a church bus, it's just a public bus. You start singing a, a hymn and they'll all start singing. Why? Because they're all Christian. Some towns, some, some, some villages, they're like literally all Christian. And, and, and to think that in 1900, to send a missionary to Africa meant that they would kill you not even that there's no Christians there. They don't want any Christians there. People were going there to share the gospel and they were killing them off by the hundreds. And now 50% of the population is Christian. In 1900, Korea had no Protestant church, was considered an impenetrable stronghold against the gospel. Now 30% of the population is considered Christian. And it, We think of Korea, what do we think of? Christian, right? We think of Korea, and we think of people who pray. We think of people who set the example, set the trend for Christians around the world to gather together in the mornings and, and just pray. And, 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 and in our, my imagination, it's like you go to, 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 um, to Korea, and it's like everybody's Christian. It's like everywhere you turn, you bump into a cross or something like that, or you're walking into a church because there's so many Christians there. But, but, to, to, but to think that in 1900, the Christ, Korea had no Protestant church, was considered a closed country, a stronghold of Satan. for the gospel. In China, there's no official number of estimated Christians right now, but they said there's 60 to 80 million Christians in China. I mean, I, I just look at this and it just makes me so excited to believe that God can do so many things. He is doing so many things now. We do not underestimate his power just because I personally didn't see it. God is doing work. And the current population growth, I thought this was really interesting. Current population growth, um, if one out of every six believers led one person to Christ and discipled them, the entire world would come to Jesus within the next decade. Now, that's not like crazy. One out of every six believers lead a person to Jesus Christ. The possibility of the entire world coming to know Jesus within 10 years I just think about that and I was like, I know, I know st stats are always out there and you never know who's making them and what's happening, but you, know, you think of this world and, and, and what God is doing. That means if, 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 if Living Hope, we discipled and reached 33 people in our lifetime as a church, like, like our entire lifespan as a church, we just reached 33 people and discipled them. We'd be doing our part to bring the entire world um, to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Isn't that something? I mean, if, if you think about in 1900, a little over 100 years, closed countries like Korea, like literally closed countries like Korea can become one-third Christian. And they're now sending missionaries out all over the world. That's only in 100 years. 
you know, we're talking about God's plan, and we're always thinking, oh, God's plan is, is, you know, my lifetime, you know, 30 years or 60 years or whatever I do, and oh, I'm not seeing anything happen. But even 100 years for God is nothing. For us to be able to say, man, if, if I could be a part, even just a small part of, of seeing uh, the Muslim countries come to know Jesus as Savior, and I only spend, you know, my lifetime, and I don't get to see it, but I know within 100 years that it's going to happen, that... Wouldn't it be cool if 100 years from now, Iran would be 30% Christian? I bet 100 years ago, if you said Korea was going to be 30% Christian, they would have said, you are out of your mind. There is no possible way. There's not even a missionary in Korea right now. They are so hard against the gospel. No Korean, every Korean I talk to does not want to receive Jesus Christ, does not want to talk about the gospel. That's probably what they would have said 100 years ago, but yet now... You look at Korea and go, when I think of Korea, I think of Christian. Wouldn't it be something if a hundred years from now, we say, when I think of Iran, I think of a Christian. When I think of Iraq, I think of Christian. When I think of Saudi Arabia, I think of Christian. When I think of Kuwait, I think of Christian. It could happen. God says, be faithful. Jesus is coming. Every day, 75,000 more people are coming to Jesus Christ as Savior. And we are part of it. We are a part of, 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 of this movement of God. You may say, well, well I, I don't have the courage, I don't have the ability and the knowledge. Well, actually, we do. We do have the knowledge. Anyone who remembers how they became to Jesus as Savior uh, has the knowledge to be able to share with somebody else how to know Jesus as Savior. To have courage, uh, uh, Jesus, God says, we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have treasures in these gar- jars of clay that shows that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, that we don't to do it alone. God is with us. He is the one that is leading us to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. According to the Joshua Project, it says 81% of all Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists in the world do not know one Christian. Okay, that's in the world now. That means if you simply let one person know that you're a Christian, you're already advancing the gospel into 80% of, of this, this unreached people group. Now, I know it's the world statistic, but if you can imagine in your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, if you meet someone who's a new immigrant who just moved here, a visa student, a, a visa worker, and you, you meet a new neighbor who just moved into the area, and you find out that they moved in from China or from uh, the Middle East or whatever, or India, and, and you share with them that you're a Christian, that's all you have to say, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I believe in Jesus Christ, that means that 81% is getting lower. that they're, 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 they've met a Christian for the first time in their lives. And your love and your kindness, your integrity, your honesty, your generosity, your sincere expressions and living out your faith in Jesus Christ is gonna be a part of leading that person to Jesus. Whether it's you that gets to see that or whether it's later on when that person goes off to college and they meet another group of Christians and they say, I remember that friend in high school who said they were a Christian and I remember what they were like. And yeah, this is real. 
because it's the same thing. Or maybe they go, it's your coworker, you've been praying for them and you worked for them with, with them for 10 years and then they move on. He's like, oh, but maybe they go to another place or maybe it's the third place that they go to work and they meet another Christian and they, there's a Bible study group and they said, oh, I remember there's a coworker that was with me and he was a, he was a follower of Jesus Christ and I remember the things that he or she said and, and that's gonna be a part of leading them to Jesus Christ. Be faithful. Let people know that you're a Christian. Live out the Christian life. Love people. Share the gospel with them. Do not be afraid to take risks. Because you're going to be a part of, of this. We are a part right now of what God is doing around the world. And I really do believe that Islam, like that's the last stronghold. And uh, it's not a stronghold to God, is it? It's not. It's just the timing when he decides. So, so I'm, I'm just, you know, when I think of this, I'm just, I'm just thrilled. So we, we see judgment seat of Christ. Be diligent, be faithful. And the final thing is grow. Um, verse 18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For to him be glory now and forevermore. Now, this word grow means to be continually growing. You know, a lot of times we think of the spiritual life as a destination. We think of the spiritual life as, can I get to this point and can I stay at this point? You know, can I get to this point where I'm doing my devotions like every day uh, and can I maintain it? How long can I maintain it? Can I get to this point where I'm not falling into temptation as much and I'm, I'm doing the right things and can I maintain it? And so we think of the spiritual life as like getting to a certain point and maintaining it, like a destination. But actually the spiritual life is more like a movement. It's growing. It's saying, am I moving in the right direction? And that's why we've been talking about transformation, about spiritual growth. And I do want to come back and talk a little bit about uh, our, our uh, commitments that we made to God. And I'm going to ask uh, Ronald to put some things up here right now. So many of you have uh, this week, probably on Thursday, have received an email from me uh, inviting you to join something called Padlet. And if you don't know what that means, I, don't worry, because I didn't know what that means until Stephanie introduced it to me a few weeks ago, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, this is not too bad. I can figure this out. <laughs> um, so can we go ahead and put it on? So basically, this is going to help. Uh, we've all uh, hopefully have made our commitments. And remember, we talked about uh, making these commitments before God and, and holding each other accountable. And I really want this as a church together for us to do this together. So this is what the email will look like. It says, hi there, blah, 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 blah. And uh, you are, what is Padlet? So there is a thing called View Padlet. So you go ahead and punch that button. And when you punch that button, what's going to come out is this screen. So you're gonna see this screen, and right now already some people have posted on Padlet, Padlet already. Um, and basically what you do is on the bottom there's a posting, there's a little sign here, and you can click that, and what it's gonna do is it'll create a thing, it'll have your name on it, and you can put a title of your commitment, maybe your general commitment will be you know, a spiritual commitment. And then you just write something down, like whatever, Ronald doesn't have to do your thing, pray daily. Okay, so then you put that on there, and there are things that you can also do. You can, uh, you can link it up. You can uh, put uh, film. You can put uh, uh, drawings. You can put uh, pictures on it. You put a map. I don't know if you say my goal is to go to some place, but, you know, um, location. Uh, and then there's also, uh, you can put attachments on. You can put photos. So basically, you can upload a file. So if you take off this, this, this thing right now, if you look at here, 
Uh, there are several different things, ways in which it's done. So here's mine, deeper contemplative life, and then I put on an attachment. So if you hit the attachment, it goes through all my stuff right there. So if you write it down in a, a Word document, you can attach it on, and it's there. Or uh, David put one on, and he put on just generally, he says, memorize this by this date. And we're going to hold him to that date. And when he reaches it, maybe he'll put another goal on there. And then Kai put one on, and he actually wrote out everything on his thing, which is fine. Either way, you can, you can do it any way you want. But basically, the goal is to make sure that we, every one of us has this on. Now, if you're on Padlet, that means all the people on Padlet can see what you wrote down. Not every, it's not public for everybody. It's only for those who are invited. So you got an email, you're invited in, and you go ahead and put that on. Now, when you put that on, you're going to get an email that says, uh, if you want to log in, here's your name and your password. So keep that. So if you want to change your thing, edit your Padlet, you can change it. Like if you reach your commitment, you say, praise God, here's my new commitment or whatever. And, uh, but this is going to just help us to be able to see and pray for each other as to how our commitments are going. And Paul is going to be our Padlet master. Paul, stand up. So he is the one that's going to be overseeing the Padlet. So... So he, he'll have the ability to look at that, he'll be keeping track of that, and maybe sending you a, an update email. Oh, by the way, I noticed on your Padlet that by this date you had committed to this. He may send you a little email that says, hey, how did it go? You know? And not in, a, not in a, a threatening way, but just really in an encouraging way. <laughs> if he comes to your door, it's a threatening way. But I mean, in an encouraging way, he'll send you an email, say, you know, how'd it go? And then you can say, oh, you know, I did this and that. And then later on, maybe we can create another Padlet and we'll say, hey, we'll create a Padlet of answered prayers or, or what God has done. And then people can put up, or we can use the same one and people can take off their commitments and put on, oh, this is how God has grown me this year. Or this is how I was blessed when I did these commitments and things like this. So we want to fill this whole thing up with, with different statements of what God is doing, what we're committing to God. Uh, we talked about that last goal was uh, to, to share with somebody so you're held accountable. Here we hold accountable to everybody, the whole church. Uh, basically, your commitments are seen here. Now again, you can just put something very specific. You can put just a little bit. You can put a lot, depending on how much you want to let people know. Uh, that you're doing. Remember, if you put it on there, people will see it. If you don't want to put it on there, you want to keep your, your a document just private, just keep it in your computer. Don't have to put it up there. Don't have to attach it. It's really up to you. So however you want to do it, please do. Uh, if you've made your commitment, and hopefully by now you've made your commitment, if you haven't, pray and make your commitment. Even if it's not the whole thing, if you just say, hey, this year, I just want to uh, read the Bible through once. That's the only goal I can think of. Or I just want to do my devotion regularly. That's the com only commitment I want to put. Then just put it on the Padlet and just put that on there and say, this is my commitment. Put it on there so that we can be praying for you. We can rejoice so that you can in the future be sharing about what God is doing when you make this particular commitment and when the year is gone. So when we do these things, we are actually specifically saying to God, here's something that I'm going to do to grow or to put me in a place where you will help me to grow. So I believe that we're not only going to be answering, oh, we this is a board that's not just going to be filled with, oh, we accomplished all these goals. There's going to be a board that's filled with, look what God did when we surrendered to God and, and said we're going to do these things before him and we did them faithfully. Look at what God has done. 
Look at how God has transformed my life. Look at how God has done this in this ministry. Look at how God has done this in Living Hope. Look at how God has done this to, to bless other people, et cetera, et cetera. That this board, or we're gonna have another board, and it's just posted with a lot of praises. So by, not the end of this year, but the end of 19, uh, 2019, we'll have that Padlet that has all these praises and these things about God, or even if it's a struggle, we say, well, you know, uh, I wasn't able to meet that commitment, but here's what God did. Here's how God taught me. Uh, we still continue to have praises before God, whether it's success or failure, we've met our uh, commitments or not. Doesn't, you know, these are just things that we put before God so that God can do his work. So we are continuing to surrender to God. Don't feel that this is like, nah, it's like, you know, like, you know, I gotta get this done by the, oh, you know, it's one more month now, I got don't worry about that. When we put these commitments up, it's just, it's between us and God, and it's how God's going to work through these commitments before him. And, and we're just going to be praying. We're not going to be saying, oh, hey, did you do this? We're saying, hey, we're praying for you. We looked at that. How's it going? How's God been speaking to you right now? And we just pray. And if you want to change your uh, goals, and you say, well, it was too big of a goal. I need to make it more specific. Or God put something in your heart new, and you say, oh, you know what? I think God really wants me to do this instead. Then you just go up there and change it. And, and change it. Whatever God is, is saying to you. And so uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we'll try it. We'll see. Technology can be really wonderful. And, uh, and you can log on at any time to check and, and see if there's more people posting up. You can pray for them. Their name's going to be there. If you have not received an email from me, uh, send an email to, or contact Paul, and he will make sure to get you on the Padlet. So he, will, you, he needs to get your email, and then he'll send you a link, or send you an invitation, then you get on. So it is by invitation only. You can't get on just by getting on right now. You have to give your email to Paul, and Paul will go ahead and put you on this Padlet. So don't, uh, don't um, let this one go. And even for the, the, the ID people, I'm gonna tell Pastor Kirk to collect all your emails and give them to Paul <laughs> so that you can be put on this Padlet um, and, and be a part of, of, of what God is doing here. So uh, please do uh, make sure to contact Paul, give him your email, and, and be a part of this. So I'm excited about that. We continue to pray, and I wanted to kind of end this message by showing you a video of um, this, uh, this, this young girl, a Muslim, who came to receive Jesus as Savior.